Welcome to SBL Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. Yes, and I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. John Bricado. So, you know, we're mixing up a little bit differently today. Um, you know, we have always held to our staple of having the stories, right? Um, each month and inspiration. So our colleagues are motivated um, and best practices as well. And this goes along with that. Um, you know, John, to get into it, we don't have a specific business official, but we have something that's very in tune up to date to, to all of our listeners. Yeah, and before I get into our topic, just a quick disclaimer. If you haven't noticed already, I sound a little hoarse. Uh, my wife and I put our son in daycare for the first time ever last week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And he my came gosh. back and got us all sick. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry if it's a little uh, tough listening to me today, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know, man, you yeah. know, but you did, you did a good job. And um, yeah, I got a couple and, squeaks here and there. So and, bear with and, me. And I'll give a disclaimer, too. I'm actually home <laughs> this week because uh, for us. I don't know why Westchester and Long Island haven't been in sync the last several years, but yeah, mine was uh, last you know, week. for the spring Easter break, you guys have been um, the week before, we were in the week after. So this week I'm home and I'm home with the kitties. So it's yeah. always hard to kind of, you know, it's boggy down. You gotta right? corral them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I hold it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At any rate, uh, today we really wanted to focus on solar and solar energy and really what the advantages of looking at an installation like that are for a school district. So. We brought on uh, two individuals from Energia, Kendra and Justin, and they both go through what it takes to even investigate a solar project, what the benefits are, and you know, what, what is this gonna cost you long-term and what are those kind of break-even things? Like all the questions you would have as a school business official, I feel are answered today. So uh, they do a, a really great job, really comprehensive review of solar. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Kendra and Justin. Today in the podcast, we have two friends of ours from Energia. We have Kendra McQuilton, she's the CEO, and Justin Benoit, he's the Senior Project Manager at Energia. Welcome, Kendra and Justin. We're happy to have you on today. Welcome. Thank Thanks you, John. Me. Thanks, Jack. It's a pleasure Hi. to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we've had you on before, so I get excited when we have repeat guests on. So um, it's really good to see you. And Justin, you know, it's, it's something special here because... I go back to the cornhole a few years ago, <laughs> the cornhole tournament. I think that was that the first one. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So just real quick, John. So before we get into it, uh, you know, we had that annual Nassau Suffolk cornhole tournament. And I guess we had to pair up and Justin was actually part of it back then. So it was oh, really nice. interesting. Um, <laughs> so that ties run played, deep. Uh, you know, we, we lost, but it was definitely fun. Uh, so it's so good to see you again. Yes. So, um, you know, as we get started, you know, folks listening may or may not know who you are. So if you both could just take just a brief moment and kind of just tell us a little about yourself and Energia. Absolutely. Thanks, Jack. Uh, so Energia is actually my family business um, that my dad founded you know, many years ago. Uh, I took ownership about seven years ago. And what we do is we help school districts that want to uh, be innovative and uh, benefit from energy efficient technologies. We help them navigate all of those um, issues because if anyone's looked into solar or any, any other kind of technology, a lot of times you don't have that expertise in house. And so we're energy savings engineers. 
Um, and a lot of what we do is what we're going to talk about today is uh, determining if solar makes sense for your district, because a lot of these projects are financial deals at their heart. And so if the numbers aren't right, uh, the project is not going to um, bring you what you expected. So um, that's what we focus on as a company. Justin? Yeah, sure. And and I'm a senior project manager with Energia. Uh, and so I play a, a, a large role as far as new project development, exploring opportunities and help developing projects with school districts. And generally, I, I'll be involved throughout the entire process, helping to, to manage the entire project. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, great to have both of you on today. We're excited to talk solar. And that brings me kind of to my first question. Why has solar and solar energy, solar installations, you name it, why has this become such a hot topic, especially with school districts across the nation? And with that, are you seeing schools adopt solar locally in their districts more and more as kind of time moves forward? Yeah, absolutely, John. We've certainly seen solar uh, become more of a focus these days. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, first off, I mean, I'm sure everybody as individuals and, and collectively, we have been seeing and, and feeling the effects of increasing utility costs. You know, that that's one large driver of solar and that solar can be used to help offset uh, that increased electrical cost that you're incurring. Um, another, you know, interesting kind of point is that as with a lot of new kind of emerging technologies, solar has now reached a point where the capacity of the solar panels, so the amount of energy that you're able to generate, has increased while the cost has decreased. Um, so it's really hit a nice inflection point where the, the financial economics of solar have just become astounding and a great opportunity for a lot of school districts. Yeah, because I, I remember when I was originally looking at solar years and years ago, it just, the ROI didn't seem to be there. The cost of the technology, it was just astronomical. And the amount of time it took to generate the energy you needed to at least break even just didn't make sense. But it sounds like the technology is now starting to catch up and it's just much more beneficial to get solar panels in your district to start reaping those savings on your energy bill. Yeah, we're, we're going to need solar because even, I don't know if you guys heard this week, um, but President Biden is is making more of a push for electric cars. So the more energy you need, you know, you have to find more sources, right? So um, solar is another way. Um, and this is, this is interesting because, um, you know, I've, you know, full disclaimer, I've used energy when it's E, ECG, and uh, we had a really great experience doing an energy performance contract, and part of it was doing solar panels. So, like, you know, really for our listeners, what are some of the most popular installations of solar that you're seeing, right? I mean, because like I said, our roofs, are, are they common, like, in my situation? Um, but then what about, like, I say, I've seen solar fields and, and canopies out there lately. Yeah, yeah. So to your point, Jack, uh, certainly I would say that roofs are the most common. You know, firstly, it's it's nice because the panels fit within the existing footprint of the building. You know, you don't need any additional space more than the building is already occupying. Uh, also, it tends to be more cost effective. There's not as much that goes into necessarily roof mounted solar. Um, but, you know, on that note, again, as you see the capacity of the panels increase, as the cost is decreasing, we are seeing other applications become more and more popular as well, in particular, the solar carports. Um, so that's a, a great application because, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons as to why solar on a roof might not work. Um, and it's another area where you can look to introduce solar panels without having to put them on the roof of your building. You know, a lot of people like them because they, they kind of look sleek. They look futuristic a little bit. 
Um, it's also like an outward expression of, you know, a district's commitment to green mindedness sure. and, and energy, energy efficiency. So uh, we're seeing that increase a lot as well. Hey, I've, I've seen, not to cut you off here, but I just saw something, I want to say a day or two ago, I don't know if it was real or not, but it said a solar ground pump or something like that, where um, it, it was like capturing the solar from a pump, I guess it comes up, protrudes from the ground. Have you seen that? Is that real? <laughs> that That's interesting. I don't know that I've seen an exact application like that. It sounds like a little bit of maybe geothermal, which, you know, that has to do with the, the underground yeah, wells and, and capturing energy that I, way. So Yeah, this is new. I, I'll shoot it over to you guys. It's just so interesting. Uh, I wish I had actually um, bookmarked it, but you never know. Maybe it was, maybe it was science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, future technology. And speaking about the technology, you're saying just that outward facing look and just kind of displaying to the community a commitment to renewable energy um, and, and just hearkening back to our, the, the original, the question we just were talking about with the technology itself, are you needing as many solar panels as you once were, or are you able to put like a higher density cell that produces more energy? Cause I'm just thinking, you know, roofs are nice and there's a lot of free square footage, but when you start factoring rooftop units, uh, cooling and heating equipment, exhaust fans, you know, that footprint gets a lot smaller. So are you seeing like a higher density cell that can produce more energy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a combination. So on one hand, yes, you can put less panels and achieve the same energy output. Um, but if you have that additional space and you're using the higher capacity panels, it's just that much more energy that you're able to generate, that much more of a benefit that you're able to drive to, to the school district. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely, you know, higher wattage panels. And again, the costs have, have come down to a reasonable level. Great, great. And so while, while we're talking roofs here, what are some of the main considerations when you're looking at a full-fledged solar installation on a roof? Um, you know, is it the age of the roof, obviously the condition of the roof? You know, one thing that stands out to me or, you know, in my district specifically, we just put all new roofs on all of our buildings. And one of, one of the big red flags for me is, you know, are there any penetrations again, you know, through the roof that would jeopardize the warranty? Those kind of things kind of pop in a, in a business official's mind. So can you speak to, you know, what does it take to do a full installation on a roof? And what are those some considerations you need to take into, um, into thought when you're putting a project together? Sure. So, you know, definitely we think about the age of the roof. We, we look at if there's an existing warranty and how much time is left on that warranty. Um, but I would say the most critical piece is the structural integrity of the roof itself. Um, we do a lot with structural uh, analysis of roofs. We also do thermal imaging to ensure that there's no wet insulation or any leaks. Um, because first and foremost, you know, obviously installing solar is great. It's a, it's a great benefit for school districts. But first and foremost, we want to make sure that we're doing it in a safe and responsible way. Um, so definitely the structural integrity of the roof is something that we, we look at in great detail and, and take very serious prior to installing any solar at any particular location. And, and just to follow up on that too, the, um, you know, when you put a new roof on, you're looking at 15, 20 plus years uh, of a warranty and useful life. What is a useful life on a solar panel? Yeah, generally uh, solar panels are good for about, I would say 20 to 25 years. There is some oh, small okay. degradation factor year over year, but they're really warranted for, for upwards of 20 years to 25 years. Um, and just, sorry, just to jump back a little bit to your question about roof penetrations. 
Um, another reason why this, the structural analysis is so important is because generally when we're looking to install solar on roofs, we try to go in the direction of ballasted systems. So those are essentially racks that are held down by bricks, which in turn hold down the panels. Okay. Um, and that can generate, you know, obviously a, a large load on the roof. And so we have to make sure that not only are the panel, panels um, acceptable to be held on the roof, but also the amount of bricks that we need to, to adequately secure them. Are, are capable to withstand the, the strength of the roof. But it's a surface-mounted installation. You're not penetrating through the membrane or anything. That's right. Because we just finished our roof project here uh, last summer, and there, you know, it's a white membrane to help reflect and be a little more energy efficient. I remember I got up on the roof when it was all finished, and I could not see a thing. It was so bright. I'm like, <laughs> this is the perfect <laughs> place to put you a bunch of solar out. panels. <laughs> Cover up that. Yeah, oh, my gosh. It's so bright. You know, what's interesting, too. I think several years ago, I, I did a, um, I think Kitchen and I, we did a workshop with ASBO, and we talked about how the roofs in my district, um, actually, we knew they were going to expire as far as their life expectancy prior to, you know, getting the full energy savings. Um, so we put in different provisions that allowed us to actually say, okay, we're going to integrate the factor of taking them off and replacing the roof and putting them back on. So um, there, there are many aspects to it as well, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, my, my next question here is like really with batteries and um, where did the batteries factor um, in this, if at all? And, um, you know, are districts looking at storing solar energy for use later or is the primary use case feeding back into the grid? Yeah, so I would say that we've we've seen it done both ways, and I can explain a little bit how each of those would work. Um, batteries, I would note, I, I feel like they're getting to the point where we were talking about solar being, you know, hitting that inflection point. Batteries are not quite there yet, I would say. They're, they're kind of getting better um, to the point where economically they have a good ROI. Um, but we are seeing them more and more now. And so Batteries can be used, again, in a couple of different ways, but essentially the, the goal is to offset demand, um, take advantage of electric demand that is essentially higher charges during periods of higher electric use. Um, so really the two options I would, I would say are most common is that one, the solar can be used to charge those batteries so that during peak periods, during periods of heavy use, you can draw from the batteries instead of drawing from the grid. So that will reduce the demand charges again that you have to incur from the electric utility company. Um, now, the other way would be if the district is selling that power from the solar back to the utility company, one of the factors that goes into that is the time of use or, or the time of uh, really sending it back. So if you're able to send that power back during those high peak, you know, high demand periods, you get a more economic uh, reimbursement, a higher reimbursement value from the utility company. So the batteries can be used to store that power so that you send it back during the peak periods as opposed to just generating the power and immediately sending it back at whatever time it was generated. Thanks. You know, I have to say, uh, I, I saw you recently got promoted to senior, and I see why. Great job, Kendra. <laughs> that was a real comprehensive uh, answer there. Thanks. That was an easy decision. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Justin, just to follow up on that, when we talk about the technology are you anticipating a point in time in the future where school districts with solar installations 
are going to be totally off the grid when the battery technology catches up? Is that kind of the, in your mind, from an, an engineering standpoint, is that the goal in, in the future to just be totally off the grid? I, I would say so. And we definitely see that interest from school districts that we speak to, you know, about going net zero as far as their their energy costs, external energy costs, I should say. And solar is certainly, I, I think, a way to achieve that. Um, again, I mean, one of the factors is the amount of solar that you're able to install at any particular location. So we're talking about these different applications that are becoming more popular, you know, the ground mount, the carport system. So that's allowing us to expand even more than, you know, if we were just looking at a roof mounted installation. So I certainly think that that's kind of the direction that we're going and, you know, looking forward to it. It's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. And you had mentioned costs and that's always a, excuse me, a huge consideration for school business officials. We talked about the technology really kind of ramping up and in, in, in catching up with, you know, how much it takes to install panels and a whole entire system. So what is the typical return on investment of a solar installation? And even further to that, what what are maintenance costs look, looking like? I mean, when a, when a school district installs a solar field or a solar installation on a roof, are, you, are school district facilities personnel getting special training to, to maintain this? Is, is the maintenance built into the contract uh, so the contractor has to do it? Like enlighten us a little bit on that whole process. Sure. So for the first part of the question, as far as the ROI, for example, generally we would see, you know, or we would expect to see about 10 to 15 years or so. Now, you know, as you know, in New York, many districts are eligible for state building aid. Um, so that can greatly increase that ROI as well. Uh, and elsewhere, there's uh, solar renewable energy credits that are available. So that can also uh, help to offset that as well as any, you know, federal or statewide incentives and rebates. So there are a lot of ways to increase that, but just based on the install and the, the power that's generated from the solar, we expect generally to see about a 10 to 15 year return on investment. Um, as far as the maintenance, there is very little maintenance on, on solar systems. You know, I would say usually there's nothing that requires any additional training for, for staff or anything like that. It's not something that we would expect to see included as part of our projects because, you know, especially in our region, you know, the, the rain can help wash off if there's any dirt accumulation, uh, which is generally pretty minimal. Um, the snow can even be more reflective. So you mentioned, John, the, the white roof and how it's blinding so bright. Uh, the snow can kind of have the same effect, you know, so if there's snow on the roof or anything like that, it can actually reflect even more solar energy onto those panels. Um, I would say the one piece of equipment, you know, we, we spoke about the panels generally having a lifespan of 20 to 25 years. Uh, the one piece of equipment that does require, you know, either maintenance and or replacement would be the inverters. Those generally, you know, in the electrical equipment, those generally have about a 10 to 15 year lifespan. Um, so that might be one aspect to consider. But aside from that, generally, there's there's little to no maintenance for these systems. In terms of the the maintenance and just making sure that the panels are performing as intended, I'm sure there's systems in place, computerized systems that monitor uh solar generate solar energy generation by panel now do these systems do they alert you or or the district when there may be a, a fault or they're not generating at peak capacity like what what does that look like yeah so you know today there's a lot of different different programs and softwares that does exactly that you know smart meters generally that help monitor the output of the system at any particular point um so generally you can 
you know, tap in at any given time, see exactly what that system is outputting. You could develop trends to, to make sure that everything's working properly. Um, as far as alerting or alarming, I, I think that would be more uh, case specific as far as what specific software you're using, but absolutely that is an option. And even monitoring uh, programs, some of the you know energy services companies that we work with incorporate that into their measurement and verification um, for the overall project by monitoring that solar system, making sure that it's generating as expected. Um, and if there's any issues, they would come out to address it. Awesome. Because in my mind, I want to be proactive. I don't want to just set a bunch of solar panels up on the roof and assume I'm getting all these savings. Things happen. You know, that's why warranties exist. So I'm just, mm -hmm. it's good to good to know that there is software out there that's being proactive and will alert you or you know, let you know that maybe these panels aren't performing as intended and you can kind of address that as is. That's a good question, John, you know, because like you said, you really don't want to waste it. I mean, the, the 10, 15 year payback looks good, but you want to make sure it's all sound, right? So, um, you know, with that, I wanted to know, um, currently, are there um, any federal, state or pro state, federal or state programs um, or even grants to maybe offset some of the costs of solar right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it definitely depends on the region as far as state or even local rebates and incentives. So, you know, we're in New York. I know NYSERDA has their NY Sun program. Um, however, we're, we're on Long Island and for this area that is tapped out. Um, however, further upstate, there are more opportunities, more monies available through that program. Um, speaking more widespread as far as federally, um, if you guys are familiar at all with the Inflation Reduction Act um, that, that recently came down, some changes to that, um, and in particular, the uh, investment tax credit, that is a tremendous opportunity for school districts. They're, they're offering significant okay. monies for renewable energies, um, in particular solar. That can be you know, 30 plus percent of that cost as a direct pay option back to school districts. Yeah, and, and for those listening, if you if you didn't tune in, we had uh, Doreen right. and, and Mike yeah. on from ESG to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act specifically. So take leveraging those federal funds for a project like this seems like a no-brainer and something I'm definitely going to be looking into when I when, you know move further down the road with solar at my district. Um, but that being said, you know we are educational institutions, and uh, we were talking a little bit about this offline, and you know. Specific to me, I, it was maybe about a month ago, I had about four or five seventh and eighth graders present to me and my superintendent about how solar is so beneficial, not just to school districts, but to communities and, and really just preserving the earth. And it, I was just blown away because when I think back to what I was doing in seventh and eighth grade, it wasn't presenting on solar. I was you know, watching TV or cartoons or something. So <laughs> I was really impressed. And I'm just wondering, does Energia or any other company, do you offer any kind of integration into the classroom? Do you pull students into this solar project and they can see these ideas that they've talked about and presented on and competed at fairs and things like that? Do they have an opportunity to really kind of see that come to fruition? Yeah, absolutely. So Energia, we have a real world STEM learning program. Um, and it's exactly like you're saying, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to incorporate um, all of the things that we're doing as far as, you know, energy efficiency improvements, the, the solar that we were speaking about, uh, and tie that all back into educating the students. You know, while we're in the buildings, while we're doing our, our audits, our energy calculations, we have seen that to be a great opportunity um, to leverage that as a learning opportunity for your students and, and get them engaged, get them excited about energy. That's awesome. And that, that really comes full circle, especially as us as educators, we want to make sure that 
anytime we can integrate, you know, sometimes the boring stuff of our jobs of putting infrastructure in, uh, but tying it back to the classroom and really um, showing the benefits of that, we'll take advantage of it. So um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that there are programs like that out there and that uh, we can integrate these installations into the curriculum somehow. So uh, winding down here, uh, we always offer our guests an opportunity to impart some advice on our listenership. So if you're sitting across the table from a brand new business official or a business official that's been in the seat for 30 to 40 years, uh, maybe Kendra, starting with you, what kind of advice can you impart on our listeners today? Absolutely, John. Um, I think the, the biggest uh, piece of advice I would offer is that a lot of these um, projects are are more complex than than they might seem. If you're meeting with companies, they make it sound like it's just, you know, so easy and just sign here and you're going to, you know, get all these benefits. But really what it comes down to is having the right expertise on your side of the table to truly vet the numbers, um, truly make sure that what you're about to embark on and install major systems in many cases is going to result in what you expect from an infrastructure point of view and also a financial point of view. Um, and so, you know, as the business official, you're going to be looked upon to validate uh, the financial terms of the deal. And so um, it's usually not something that everyone is familiar with. There's utility rebates involved. There's um, utility rate structures involved. And every state is different. So just make sure you have that protection and expertise on your side of the table before you go too far down the road. Yeah, you know, I would kind of second what Kendra was saying. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the different analyses that go into determining, you know, what solar application is best for a specific school district. And so definitely I would say to weigh your options, to keep an open mind, and to also look to engage with people who have the background and expertise in dealing with, with these types of installations, because there are multiple different ways to go about it. Um, and at the end of the day, the district should be looking at what makes the most sense financially, what will provide the best long-term benefit to you and your school district. Yeah, th those are all great points. The homework piece is really important. And I'll just say, from my again, from my personal experience, I've always been a little hesitant, admittedly, on EPCs, because to me, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But Kendra, to your point, after doing the homework, after looking at the numbers and, you know, talking about the guarantees and just the long-term lifespan and the benefit that this is going to bring to a district like mine, I totally changed my tune. So um, I'm excited personally to get moving on a solar project. And I hope those listening are is equally excited if they haven't already to embark on a solar project themselves. So uh, Kendra and Justin, we really appreciate your time today in enlightening us on uh, the solar uh, landscape and, and what's coming down the road. So thank you both. Absolutely. Thank you so Thanks much, John. Thank you, It doesn't Jack. always yeah. have to be too good to be true, though. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today with our folks from Energia. Really enlightening and yes. eye-opening to learn all about solar and what those benefits are and, you know, really giving back to not just the, the environment, but looping in the kids educationally as well. Yeah, I, you know what? It's, it's so powerful. And I have to say this, that, you know, Kendra and Justin are just such great folks, um, you know, 
having them on too, um, not just the ease of the conversation, but just, you know, folks that are very sensible and understanding of, of this. They've been doing it for a while. And I mean, you know, you can tell um, how much knowledge that they have and imposed upon us. So we hope that you definitely get something good out of it. We, we know um, this is something as, as times change, you know, with energy resources being important. And, you know, I mentioned it at the end of the podcast about these new initiatives and electric vehicles. Right. Energy is important. And so solar is a primary way. Um, there's always going to be the sun, <laughs> you know, right. uh, so. I look at it. But um, and like you said, it's not it doesn't have to always be too good to be true. So right. um, really, really great episode, really informative. So hope you get a lot out of it. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>